Welcome to the Inky Comet, a collection of nuanced conversations about the Black experience. I'm your host, Mia Marie. On this podcast, we explore topics that empower, educate, and illustrate the necessity for honest conversations about being Black, all with the aim of reaching personal liberation and challenging systems of oppression. You are a corporate baddie to me, but tell me, <laughs> tell me, tell me who you are. How would you introduce yourself? So I always start with that I'm a sister because I do really value my relationship with my siblings. I love that. Like I definitely a sister first, black woman, southern roots. My mom's side being from Macon, Mississippi. And not knowing what that meant until someone called me out for like being country. Yeah, definitely like Southern hospitality is rooted in how I care for people. Your name? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) so ironically, Victoria is the name my mom gave me. If my dad got to choose without interruption, my name would be Harvetta. And for background, my dad's name is Harvey. He is Harvey the (laughs) third. So there's there's some like, he was like we're gonna start a woman line too. He's like, listen, hard. okay, if I can't get it out, my firstborn males, like my firstborn daughter, because I am the firstborn female um, in the Walden regime, and Harvetta was the name of his late sister, and they were very close. So in honor of her, he wanted me to be Harvetta. My mom was like. Not my child. <laughs> and then my middle name, which not many people know, is Juanitas. That is the name of my grandmother, my middle, my grandma's middle name, too. So in my on my mom's side, all the women have the same names. Like, it's either you're a Juanita or a Denise. So my mom's middle name is Denise. My sister's middle name is Denise. And then my grandma's, my mom's mom's middle name is Juanita, and I'm Juanita, too. So it's like... <laughs> There was I don't I don't know what we we probably there's some history to that like maybe that's how we knew our kin but we all have shared names like at least on my you know it's very interesting that you mentioned it because my family's from Mississippi too mm-hmm. and my mom I mean we all have in names my sisters and yeah. I and that is very interesting like were there subtle ways that we were making sure we could always connect find our people with our people. Because we were being literally ripped apart by the southern slave trade. <laughs> like, Which, the American slave trade. American oh slavery. Gosh. Like, you know. Can we... And, that, like, I for, finally had, like, an opportunity to recognize what role that played in, like, our family history um, at work. Wow. So, I was on a team where the manager at the time was very much, like... We're bringing our full self to work. So when we have team days, team meetings, we're going to talk about what's happening in the news. And when George Floyd was murdered, it was like black people like, are y'all all right? And it's like, no, we're not all right. And this is why. And it came to this conversation of like, let's talk about where you're from. And I remember I was in this breakout room on Zoom, which we all love. <laughs> And this, like, another girl, but she was in New York. She was like, yeah, my people are from Mississippi. I was like, oh, yeah, me too. And she's like, and we have land, but, you know, we have the land of our slave owners. And it's never been positioned to me that way, right? So, like, I'm hearing her say, and I was like, damn, is that how we have all this land in Mississippi? Because Wilbon, and my uncle did this, he, like, went back to trace the name. Wilbon goes back to Nigeria under 
my mom's side of the family, the Dooley Wilbons, the land we have in Mississippi is inherited land, not in a way that's like, like yeah. we worked for it, but it wasn't like purchased land mm-hmm. in that sense. So then when she was saying like, this is where my people are from and we have land in Mississippi because of my great grandma inheriting the land of her slave owner. I was like, damn. And I went home. I was like, mama. And she's like, yeah, that's that tracks. That's the same reason why we have land in Megan, Mississippi. I was like, oh, yeah. Yo, you know what's really wild? Okay, so Victoria and I, we went to college <laughs> together. And, like, we kind of, we hung out in college, but we didn't really hang out in college. And it's really crazy now looking at how many similarities there are in our stories. Because my father's family is from Mississippi. We have land down there. And you know what? As you're talking right now, I'm just like one or we cousins. Like, I'm sure, like, well, there's some overlap there. But it's interesting because I've never thought about that. And I feel like I should have thought about that. Like, where did that land come from? But also, I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad I'm about not it. I'm not about it. If that's where it came from, like, yes, that's ours. And, like, do you ever think about the alternative? Because recently, hmm. I had a short stand at a company and I shared a video as part of our Juneteenth celebration. We were I shared this video just in terms of thinking about how relevant American slavery is. You know yes. what I mean? And just like the fact that y'all like kidnapped and enslaved African people. And, you know, we don't really talk about like what that trauma looks like. But not only that, what it but how people history. stayed. There were people that were not free after people were free. And yes. like so the significant even of Juneteenth is that people in Texas, that was like one of the last places to understand that like, the slaves are free in freaking in the Confederate states. Mm-hmm. Let's mind you that Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves in the Confederate states. Not everywhere. But there were people that were in other pockets of the country that just still didn't even know after that that was still a secret. Yeah. And that's crazy. You know, as, I think it was as recent as the 70s or 80s yeah. at least. I mean, shit yeah. even, I don't know. The world is so crazy. Maybe even now. And it even like, <laughs> and you bringing that up, it reminds me of like my grandfather. So my mom's dad, the relationship there wasn't always the healthiest. But when I asked my grandma, like, why did you marry this man? Like, if he was so bouty, like, what did you see in him? And at the time, they were both in Mississippi. And, like, farmers, they... Agricultural people. Yeah, like, that's all they knew. And this man... Like that, she, my grandfather, she believed in his vision to be able to farm in the north. So she followed this man <laughs> because he was like, no, like we can go north and have our own land and make money off that land. And we already know how to do it because we've been farming this land. And so she followed him. And I mean, this is my grandma with like a retrospect, fifth grade education, right? Like, Yes. And she's coming from like 13 siblings. Like she was the one cooking food and like grabbing eggs from the chicken to the point where like when I make pound cake, I put a little yellow dye in it because that was how they knew if you had like good chickens. Like if your pound cake was yellow, yellow, like, you know, like you had some good eggs. (laughs) You were like, like, you were a little yellow. Wow. Yeah. Like, like you were, you were doing a good job on. You had fresh. Yeah. You had fresh chicken. You knew what you were doing. So she followed this man to Chicago. And her brothers, like, ended up in Detroit working in the automobile industry, working for Ford. Wow. Yeah, and, like, assembly line. And then, yeah, my grandma was in Chicago and ended up pregnant with my aunt and uncle and my mom. And, like, she followed this man's dream, but, like, she didn't know him, but it was, like, a way out. Yeah. And at the time, like, that... That meant something. <laughs> yo, I, yo, you got the instinct to identify a way out. That's real. That's and a it looked different, skill. right? That like, different. like we, she already knew what Mississippi looked like, and yeah. it wasn't for her. 
Like, yes. You know, that's so, girl, the overlap. Okay, there's two <laughs> things. I want to get back to the love, what love meant in Mississippi. Mm-hmm, Before mm-hmm. I do that, it's interesting because my grandfather actually followed my granny to, to Colorado because my her sister had, you know, moved to Colorado, had met my Uncle Roy, had fell in love, and my grandmother was going to leave, actually, my grandfather in Mississippi because she was like, I'm over this man. He was a hot boy, okay? <laughs> my grandpa had strong muscles and he used to flex his muscles and break bust open his shirts in Denver that was like the thing that he's do like this man was doing the most and like in retrospect because we had some conversations about this you saying that now and the history we know of slave trade and what was profitable Mm. it almost is like was that the identity that they were under of like if I'm the biggest and baddest yes like you're gonna need me because like but you're valuable. There's so many ways that we could dissect that in terms of like what were the many ways that the slave trade and influence. slavery mm-hmm. influence and traumatized us and like what were the some conscious things that we did. So my grandpa was a playboy. He was all those things. So he, she was going to leave him and come to Denver with her my my father and my uncle. And my my uncle actually convinced my convinced my grandfather to come like no there's so much opportunity. So that was the only reason he came and he followed her and oh. then they you know, they, you know, had their, you know, <laughs> it ended up happening. But she was really like, I'm about to leave this man. But similarly, she also had like, I think my grandmother went to, I want to say like maybe the third or fourth grade. Yeah. And my, or like very young, maybe fifth grade. And my grandfather went to like the ninth grade. That my was good. didn't know how to read. My grandfather didn't know how to read and write. My granny didn't know how to read and write. I remember growing up and being in elementary school, my grandpa going to get reading lessons. And then from that, all four of his grandchildren have college degrees and three have masters and one got a doctorate Mm -hmm. that's you know what i mean like that's what god did but even like (laughs) sorry from mississippi out right yeah so like like the world to the world my mom like so my mom and my grandma very close and she's the last born she's the youngest right but when she was in school like my grandma fifth grade education depended on this man to show her a new life and like now she's got it she's got a house in chicago she got three kids yeah she was working for sharon williams at the time so she's like i got a factory job like union jobs meant something right like yes you know like like this is freedom and but like she she was there but she wasn't there for my mom and my like aunt and uncles to the point where my mom when me and my sister were in school she wanted to be at every parent-teacher conference she wanted to hear how we were doing in school because when she was in school, it was my aunt and uncle showing up like, oh, Nisi, what are you like? Is this your artwork? And they're showing each other <laughs> like they're going Aww. to each other's parent teacher conferences because yeah. it was like they're that that like my parents can show up at the school because they have to work yeah. so that we can be in school because they only made it to fifth grade. Yeah. But they're proud of making it to fifth grade because they didn't have access to education. They didn't. They didn't. Like, they weren't supposed to learn to read and write. No, they weren't. Like, that whole system, that time frame, it really was not set up for them to be successful. So even now, being in corporate America, like, you know, being at the level that we're at, that that actually is incredible because when you compare that to our peers, Mm -hmm. that's not... That's not what they were doing. Like my my father has a GED. You know, like my my mother has a degree, a bachelor's degree. Yeah. But like my father has a GED in some college. And I grew up in a household that was education was important even still because we understood the barriers to getting a good education. Yeah. You know what I mean? And even and like, like yeah. good, like right? Like Yeah, what does that mean? What does that mean? Because Unpack for it. them they 
like for my grandma, she was like, I can read just as good as the white folks. Like, like, like yeah. for her, she was like, I'm educated. Fifth grade was enough. That's all I needed. Yeah. And then I found this man and I did the steps, right? I got married. I had kids. We have a house. And now I have those milestones that I wouldn't have had if I stayed in Mississippi, you know? And now I'm in this union job. I'm in this factory job where I get a wage that I can feed my family off of. My grandma worked at, that was her first and last job, okay? So she retired out of Sherwin-Williams to the point where I see a Sherwin-Williams, like, paint store, and I'm like, my grandma still has equity in that company. Like, her pension is still coming from right there. That's amazing. And it just, for me, it also just reflects, like, how there's, in our modern economy, we have been taught to value certain roles and certain types of jobs. But all of these jobs are necessary to move the economy. And I think the pandemic and... We are also just getting to a place now where we are valuing these factory jobs. This moves the economy. That's mm-hmm. Factory jobs are what get us what we need. They get the materials that we need. And the fact that we don't value that mm-hmm. as like an integral part of you know society and then treat those people accordingly is a shame. And like on the other hand, my grandma, she moved to Colorado and she cleaned homes. And cleaned homes for a long time. And she had horrible rheumatoid arthritis, you know, until her passing. And mm-hmm. I often think like is that like a manifestation? of of your experience yeah. quite frankly you know what I mean yeah. and just like getting on the bus and cleaning rich white people's homes and tra- transparently in different right. Colorado and it goes back to what you said like what is good so yeah, like what is good because my mom had <laughs> that experience valuable. right like mm-hmm. and saw her mom that was the job she took when it came time for like my mom to choose a partner <laughs> she followed a man too who like had ambition out Ooh, of school girl. wait and- <laughs> no wait but continue then we're gonna go back to the mississippi love oh yes <laughs> and it's so funny too because then good got defined as government jobs mm. like because if you work for the government there the government's always going to be employed yeah so then you're going to always be employed yeah. So she met this man at the post office. <laughs> yeah, so my, my dad's a fireman. The government job. Gover- the government, government the job. Government, the government. Okay, working for the city. Yes. Like, <laughs> it's so ironic because then when me and my sister were trying to figure out, like, what are we going to go to school for? You know, my dad's like, okay, go be, like. You know, they always want you to achieve better than what they did, and but they don't know how to tell you Something to get there. Safe though, but like some achieve better than what they did. But again, this is when you understand that your parents are human <laughs> from their vantage point. Like yes. I've had to understand, like, well, my dad, my dad suggested his his pathway was pharmacy, being a pharmacist, yeah, because that made field. a lot of money. Yeah. You can go be a pharmacist, you can make a lot of money. You know, you study a decent amount, but that was just from his vantage point. You mm-hmm. know what I mean, like. I don't know he if he understood that I could have the job that I have now and make a living. Yeah. You know, it's like, they didn't I have told that exposure. you. They didn't have that exposure. But I didn't have that exposure I, either. Yo. Transparently, can we be honest about just lack of understanding corporate America? Uh, oh, my like, God. Like, an opportunity there, for better or for worse, I did not understand the opportunity there until, like, yes. I was a grown person. Going back to, you know, your parents are human first, and then they're experiencing being your parental figure second truly you know whether we see it in that order or not I remember when I started in corporate you know I was transitioning from education which is what I studied in college. Oh my goodness. Yo, we have so many similar similarities. Why yeah, are we not friends yeah. until, you know, we just, <laughs> we were on separate life. journeys we that like, journey. we just had to get through it. We did. And I remember when I was getting, cause I was on contract because they were backfilling a role where they weren't sure if the person was like leaving or not. And I was on contract and they were about to offer me like a full-time role. 
And I went to my dad. I was like, dad, I, I think I need to negotiate my salary because I'm in a position of value right now. And he was like, well, baby, you know, you don't want to offend them. You know, you want like whatever, <laughs> whatever they offer is probably a good deal. And you and if you don't feel it's a good deal, you can say, well, I would be comfortable around this, you know, and see where they sit. And, you know, you want to listen to your parents because it's like you've been here and you've made these mistakes before. And I remember like thinking that moment, I was like, Dad, I think I'm better than that. Like, like I think like we got to a point because when both my parents were tired, they had just made six figures. So for me and my sister, that was the benchmark. Like whatever we do, we have to make at least six figures to be deemed successful because that's where mom and dad stopped. That's where they retired. So we have to, I don't know where this comes from, but we have to do no, better than our our, our, parents. our parents. But like, okay, maybe it's the Mississippi love, right? <laughs> like I'm going to follow this man who wants to farm differently. <laughs> he has a different idea he about said, seeds. We, we farmers, but we going to do it on the side where there's winter. <laughs> We're going to farm over here. We're going to farm over here. So so sure enough, like, I tried negotiating. And, of course, like, in corporate, as a woman, first of all, and as a black woman, you're already a threat. Yeah. Because you're not the norm, but they know the impact that you have. So it's like this give and take of, like, we need you, but we we don't want to pay you. But at the same time, mentally, slavery is over, sis. (laughs) I can't stress that enough. But the way the society is set up is like they want to kind of keep you enslaved under the ideals that they form so that you don't feel like you have the power. So, you know, I'm negotiating. I'm like, you know, I have these other offers with other companies. Fake it. <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm, I'm talking to friends in other spaces who are like, well, this is what our roles yeah. start at. Honestly, it took my bankers at the time because I was applying for an admin role saying, like, if you guys don't hire her at whatever she's asking we're not going to be okay. Like our business will be impacted. And these are white males like making millions, right? Like they're like, she's done such an excellent job. Like even if y'all were to backfill her with somebody different, we would still suffer because she's filled a gap that we didn't know we were missing. But that was like what I had learned at home, like that we need to perform, but we need to perform better and smarter in order to be valuable. Literally, literally. And it, girl, Damn. Yeah. Damn. So tell me your you experience. Look at you connecting our trauma. <laughs> Girl. To, I, but, to you know, and, and I always that, like, and this that. is why I'm like such an advocate for like talking about our salaries, like within each other. Yeah. Like I told you when I graduated college, I had a friend who studied computer science off rip. He was making a hundred K no bonus or anything. Right. Like that was his base. I was like, damn, like off one degree, (laughs) not even a private school. You know, we both went to private school. Like, yeah, yeah, that's a lot of debt. Yo, let's not talk about that because. (laughs) But that's a lot of debt that that doesn't return on our investment. Yeah. So I'm a little confused. And then I got this man, a fellow black man, making making six figures. And I'm like, damn, my parents ended up that. You just got that off graduation. I'm over here. Like, how do I do it? Yeah. No, I definitely (laughs) feel you. Girl, coming out of college, I moved to the Bay and I was making no money. $37,000 in the Bay. That (laughs) was my salary off my degree. Yeah. Off my degree. I mean, it was Teach for America, uh-huh. but that was my teacher salary. Yes. And think about that now in 2022. That sounds like Chick-fil-A a crazy. pays more. 
Yeah, you know what I mean? And you know, I created a cheerleading team. I advised the Black Student Union. You know, I was doing extra shit. So I came from education. And girl, I just like, you know me, I'm aggressive. I want to, can we like please relabel? Like, I need a it's rebranding not aggressive. of aggressive. It's not aggressive. You're passionate. I'm passionate. Yeah. And like in certain spaces, I can ask for what I want. And like, I'm really grateful because I feel like I have a strong professional voice. And throughout my career, I have been able to advocate for myself in every space that I kind of go in like I advocate for what I need and so I think I think my sister Nicole actually says this the worst they can do is say no and like she kind of pushed me even when I was negotiating with like my nonprofit job when I got a promotion like she kind of planted that seed and from there I always negotiate I always just would you say she taught you like how to negotiate yeah I would say she taught me how to negotiate like I because I'm kind of a person when I Certain things in my life, I want input from other people. I want it to be For like sure. a brainstorm. We haven't you know been I mean? here before. Exactly. We haven't been what? here before. <laughs> exactly. And that's, again, girl, sometimes I am like, I need parenting. I need input. I need care. That's me outwardly asking for it because I know sometimes we look at you and they think I need you don't need anything. supervision. I, I advocate all the time. I'm like, y'all, I am a full grown adult at my big age and I still need constant supervision. <laughs> So like mm-hmm. she definitely like helped like push that, but now in every in every situation, I'm always going to ask for more. Yeah, I always ask for more. But I and <laughs> part of me was like, I don't know what more is. Like I don't know my value. I'm still learning my value yeah. in this society. So I think like if you're going for a job, like if we're just talking yeah. about tangible things, tangible like tangible. I would say if you're looking for a new role, always try and get a little bit higher than where you are currently. Yeah. And so if you go up a little bit higher than where you are now, and you're talking to a recruiter about the role, then you can ask them like, "Is this what you expect for this role? What's the range?" Mm-hmm. And then that can help you kind of gauge like, okay, in this industry, especially if it's recruiting agencies, recruiting agencies they usually have a better sense about your your skills overall so mm-hmm. they I think are good indicators of you know in finance you'll get this amount in tech you'll get yeah. this in CPG yeah. you'll get this and so it's also just ask those questions too every conversation that you have with a recruiter is an opportunity for you to learn and be better going back to corporate and being here like in this space yeah. not I don't even want to say despite but like given <laughs> all that raised given us history. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um backgrounds you know, I get into what is the investment bank as an admin assistant and off salary, my dad gives me advice on like how to negotiate. And it took being in that room in that space of the bank. And like, these are the top earners. They're seeing billion dollar deals. I didn't even really fathom what billion meant. Girl, I still can't. You I say this. I, I know, like, I know. What? <laughs> What to the point where, about? like, billion doesn't mean any, like, yeah. but, like, it's, it does, it I'm, means I'm, I'm working it's around getting... the top 1% of wealth in America. Yeah. yeah. And, like, I don't even know what that means, but I'm learning it from them. I didn't have a LinkedIn. You know, like, I, I just, I'm here on vibes, truly. I just came from education <laughs> where I'm bringing my Kleenex box for the first day of school it's because it wasn't vibes. A, I love that. It was just, a, it's like. Nobody did this before yeah. me. And like that's girl. Like it's yes. But yes, I'm trying my best, part. you know, and mm-hmm. I like I don't want it to look raggedy because I know who came before me and like my parents, my grand like they wouldn't have set it up like this. I told you my my grandma's putting yellow food coloring and pound cake to make sure folks know her eggs are good. Her chickens are doing great cuz they some great farm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's like this is the standard. So I'm over here and they're like you don't have a LinkedIn. I was like 
oh no, like what's that? And they're like, it's Facebook basically for professional signing. A little LinkedIn. I put my job history and I'm like, this doesn't compare to none of the shit y'all doing, but whatever. And then they were like, you're getting messages from recruiters. Why aren't you responding? I was like, oh, like that's not spam. And they're like, no, you need to talk to recruiters because that lets you know where the market's at, whether it's like your skill set and the value. Yeah. And that helps you negotiate. And I was like, I got to negotiate again. I just got here. You're like, with my manager? Whoa. What do you mean? I have to have Whoa. conversations? <laughs> yeah. What is this? Money again? Like, I'm I'm kind of grateful. Like, this is double the salary I was making yes, as a teacher. grateful. That part. And that's the hard part, too. Like, you walk into these spaces, you feel indebted, and you're not <sighs> indebted. Girl, that is the thing. That switch from education, nonprofit yeah. to corporate, is rough in this feeling in terms of, like, there is a sense of feeling indebted and like you are not indebted your skill your expertise got you there and Mm -hmm. you have more than twofold threefold fourfold (sighs) proving yourself to be there and you're giving your value back to the company but it's hard to know the worth right like going back to like you know i'm i asked my dad who done it like he's retired now and he he got more credentials than his parents and my mom too and like You're the first time doing it in the family. Yeah, like, but they're saying, like, this is what our worth was worth. Our knowledge, like, we up, we did it through all these obstacles, and this is what they said it was worth. So, like, you should be around here. And if you're asking for more, even though, like, I, I was the first one to get the college degree, like, straight yeah. out of high school. And they're like, so if you ask for a little bit more, and they say, no, don't be disappointed. It's like, so, like, this is what I, the pretenses I'm coming yeah, under. Absolutely. So I learned right then, like, okay, you take every call with a recruiter so you know where the market sits. And then the other thing I learned, which it was also about having that conversation about what it is you're doing and like where where you sit financially. I'm over here negotiating salary and my peers who have been in the role, like a lot of the people there didn't even have college degrees. My white counterparts, this was an industry that they knew about, like <laughs> like they had family members who had always been assistants. So they're coming from like high school straight into this, making yeah. like 80K. And I'm sitting there happy about my little 60K because when I was in education, it was like, oh, here's your 35 and like you can write this off when you set up your class. And I was like, I'm so, I'm so bored. Like, I have these student loans. Like, yo, you're I'm like defaulting on so many things. I'm like not financially stable, but I'm doing all the things like what is like, what is this? Yeah, girl, it is crazy. Like walking into corporate America and seeing it and like understanding that some people to your point who don't even have college degrees had access and understanding and just awareness of this existence and all the things in it Mm -hmm. is really interesting. It's so interesting. Wait, but can I go back to this? Because I know we've been talking about, you know, I don't want to get too much into work. Yeah. This Mississippi love. Oh, Mississippi love. But Loki, do you feel like you might be chasing it in the end? Like a little Southern romance? No. Okay, no, I'm not. I mean in that, like, I think that Mississippi was a very, when I think about one of the most difficult places to be black in America during the slave, during slavery, I think about Mississippi. And I just can't imagine what our family members, Vicky. Yeah. Our family members were in Mississippi and I can't imagine the trauma that they went through. And so with that, but I live out the trauma that they went through and I've experienced it. I've seen it. 
I've seen remnants of it through my grandparents, through my great grandparents, through my parents. Yeah. The and generation's not that far from us. Their generations are not that far from us. And so I I just go back to the Mississippi love in terms of I I've seen how Mississippi and the violence of the state <laughs> have impacted the love within my family. Mm-hmm. And I am still healing and working through the trauma and violence. Do you feel like you're still learning the depths of it too? Learning the depths of it, of this, of this trauma and this violence. And let's talk about that. Like that's (laughs) different too than my family members who are there. And I'm not going to speak for them. I don't know what their experience is, but I think that like as someone who is a little part of weight, I grew up being a stand up all night with my grandma. She smoked cigarettes and she'd be drinking her tea and telling me stories about childhood. She would tell, retell them with the same amount of emotion as as if it was happening right in front of me mm-hmm. and that that was I don't blame her for that I'm grateful for her telling me those stories but yeah. that pain was real yeah and that's pain healing that I too have to work on and when I think about family and maybe one day having kids not passing that on in the same way you know Ooh, you you touched like you triggered something in me because <laughs> and I share this with you too so like being from Macon, Mississippi, my mom's mom, it's not a big town, you yeah. know? So my mom's mom, light-skinned women with big legs, the Dooley sisters, that was yeah. always <laughs> it, right? And you could always tell whose who's kin that was because it was like, oh, if they were light-skinned with big legs, then the Dooleys. To the point where me and my sister were like, we come out with these I always say horse-shaped body figures. Like, we got horse Girl, legs. Girl, you got big legs. You yeah, they, they some, they some thick. thick legs. But, like, it wasn't, it wasn't anything to be prideful for. And I still struggle with that body image because it was like, yeah, like, that's a lot of curve to carry down low. Like, and to be identified, oh, yes, like, the big leg. That doesn't sound like. No, I feel you. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And I, I think especially growing up when we grew up, mm-hmm. I think now it's different. Yeah. But like growing up when we grew up in the 90s and to early 2000s, mm-hmm. like being because I girl, me and my sisters, we all big legs. That's yeah. from my mom's side, big legs. And like it wasn't it thighs. wasn't a like I literally thighs, remember like thighs. not wanting to wear shorts. And I'm like, uh, these thighs. They don't want, you don't want to be called thunder thighs. Girl, mm. I was called thunder thighs. All before. them legs out. Like. I could go to my grandparents. Look at all them legs. Slap legs. Proceed to slap. And it's just like, okay, I'm just trying to be outside. (laughs) I just want to live my life. Mm -hmm. And as a child, just burdened with all the, like all them legs came with all them legs was like, you know, a judgment on you need to be eating less. You need to like, you fast out here. Like you you watch what you wear and you shouldn't be wearing that. All them legs in the comments on the, on just like your, natural body type mm-hmm. it came with so many messages <laughs> and and like it carried over to my mom because i remember so yes like grandma came into chicago got a job so then my mom raised in chicago too same thing so then the next thing for her was like okay like we gotta go move to the suburbs like i want to start a family there because we got to do better than my parents so we had this opportunity so we get to the suburbs <laughs> and at the time like we're my dad had picked for us to have a home. Like, no, there, there's no houses. We're building a house. And they had the funds to do it because they were government job. But they were the first black people to do it. So it was, like, a lot of questions and answers Damn. of, like, yeah. can you 
pay for this. Like, can you know what? The color of law talks about Illinois a lot, and Illinois has had Illinois some tricky, so racist history around mortgages. My <laughs> like, dad used to make fun of my mom because she was always wearing an NAACP hat when, like, they were going to the meetings with the con the construction people to like build this house because she's like i need them to know i'm protected like like we're educated yeah building like you this, can't just exploit like, us like yeah you do something crazy i'm gonna like i'm gonna go back and to that's up- wild like again can we just be honest about our histories like that was not that long ago and mm-hmm. your mom was doing that like you've seen the more recent stories about black people switching out and having other people show their homes and yes. the value of the home increasing when it's a non-black family. when they're not represented in the sale yeah so we get we get here and you know i'm in school feeling cute whatever but then i start like growing into my body and my mom's still traumatized by the you know duly one with the big legs she's like if you ain't if y'all keep getting any bigger you can't come to the store with me and i remember thinking i was like what do you mean if we keep getting bigger like we can't she's like you guys aren't gonna be outside of the norm in this this society where there's like all slender women yeah where their thighs don't rub like that's hard yeah i mean it's a predominantly white neighborhood she's already like we black out here whether you know what that means or not, you know, like, cause we're just kids. Like we don't know like what we're showing up as we yeah. thinking everybody sees us the same. Cause yeah. we haven't seen what they saw. And so I remember she's like, if you could, if y'all keep growing in this way, like duly women, like y'all can't come to the store. Cause I don't want that rep. Cause that's what my grandma got. Like that's what her mom got called. Like the duly women are the ones with the big legs. And she, I guess she didn't want that branding. So that me and my sister immediately inherited this body image of like, we got to be small. <laughs> Like, we we can't, like, truly be happy about these big thighs. Like, damn. damn. No, I mean, ugh, damn, I feel you and, like, yes to that. Like, similarly, my I, my big legs came from my mom. My mom's mom was from Arkansas, <laughs> Little Rock, Arkansas. Oh, same. My yes. great-grandma on my, yes. yes. Oh little waist, Little Rock. Big booty, okay? Yes. Little waist. Grandma, read the bee, honey. She was, <gasps> she was none the plus. That's the Wilvons. They were from Little Rock, Arkansas. <gasps> yo. This it, is too much. Yo, we, the overlap But it's rooted in the history. Like, Literally. it's like, it makes sense historically, like. Chicago, those little, and it's interesting that we would like follow in those similar migration pathways. You know what I mean? Yeah. Thinking about Mississippi to Chicago was yeah. that was a tra- that was a transit here. That was a you know a place that many people from Mississippi went to, and we went to college there. Yeah, you have that connection there, and like Chicago, honestly, was so formative in my development. And I think it is because the black folks there in Chicago, they sound like they have a southern accent to me. They do have, you know, there's and definitely I, yeah, the remnants that's of southern that southern hospitality is definitely there. Um, but no, all of that to say, I definitely feel being a big legged woman like that is an experience of in a especially in the <laughs> '90s with the low rise jeans, and oh the skinny legs, and the skinny jeans, and like just having big legs was not a thing. And so that's why I feel like I'm so I take this plastic surgery shit very personally, Oof. and I don't like it. And I saw something the other day. There was I think she's like the nutrition tea on Instagram and she posted something about body trends and now how like BBLs are out and how skinny bodies are in now. And I'm like, and this is why I don't like plastic surgery. This is why I don't endorse it because I think it does help to facilitate this idea that bodies can, should be following trends. And like, I just fundamentally do not believe that. I do not fundamentally believe that people should go under anesthesia to follow or keep up with any type of beauty trend. But it was also, it's also this for me, like now I'm, getting an appreciation for my body and Mm -hmm. 
yes. the home that I have in it and like what I'm capable of doing that others may not be. And, and just gratitude for it. Yeah, yeah. Like this is the body that carried me here. Girl. You know, and <laughs> in health. In health. And yes, the the big leg women, right? But like, okay, that's because my grandma, her hips can carry laundry. They can carry like pots on a stove and a phone on the shoulder. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's, and I can do the same thing. Like I can carry all my groceries in in one trip. Like, <laughs> like I can do shit. Okay, we yes. get shit done over here. Yeah, we like, close the deal. my body was built for this <laughs> shit. Yes. Like, yes. And, and I got it from my ancestors because mm. that's what they needed that to part. get through this life. So now and I have I'm an strong because of them. Yeah, and it it makes me upset when it is put on trend because it's you're doing it for what? Like sexualize it? Like yes. like. Exactly, like the short. Y'all know we were raped, right? <laughs> like, well, for these body shapes, like we won't acknowledge it, but it's also like so. Like, whose trend is it? And that's like what pisses me off. Literally, whose trend is this? And who does this benefit? Again, who is this centering? I mean, it's it all. It all roots in Mississippi love, and I going back to like we have this origin story in the South. I don't know if you feel this way, but like when films want to come out and tell that narrative of what happened in Mississippi to like where we are today and show it as like strides and like profitability off of that narrative and show it in theaters. I'm kind of like, I can't watch that yet because I'm still living it. I remember when Marshall, that movie came out, I was in corporate America and they wanted me to like facilitate a discussion about the movie Marshall. And I was like, oh, wow, this is the story of Thurgood Marshall. And of course, you know, I had to get some advice. I went back to my dad <laughs> because I'm just like, all right, like you're retired. You've made it all. What are your you, thoughts? What are your thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I'm back in it. <laughs> and he was like, Thurgood Marshall, they doing a movie on him. You know, I used to sit and advise with him. Like, it's not that old. You know, my my dad in his old age, like, he, he just wasn't aware that there's this film and he's like, well, what is it on? I was like, it's about his life and like segregation from the South to the North and like how he got where he is. And my dad's like, and they want you to, they want you to talk about it. And so why did they choose they, you? Like, <laughs> like, and, and like, what are they asking you? Like, do they want you to speak again? Cause he, I think he's still operating from this narrative of like, is it safe? Yeah. Oh yes. You know, yes. like, oh like the goodness. same way when yes. I asked him about like my salary and he's like, well, is this like, should you truly be asking for more? Say you're comfortable here. No, that's so real. Yeah, and he was like, "Well, I don't, I don't know if I would speak there. Like, I don't know if I would want to be the one facilitating this interview." You know, in corporate, they're always talking about visibility and like this is your opportunity to do more and like get promotion and whatever because visibility pays bills. So I was like, "Oh, well, Dad is such a great." Oh my, I have so many thoughts on that. (laughs) That is actually a different episode because visibility is not translated into. Yeah, so he was like, maybe, maybe sit this one out. Like, he was like, maybe, baby, maybe just say not right now and just attend and like see how it goes. So then I, I, I like, I was like, okay, yeah, like, you're right. Cause I don't, I don't know what I'm gonna say. I don't know how to conduct this interview. And I just went and I watched the film at work and like, it was triggering, you know, cause I'm like, this, this is being shown as like a history that's done, but it's like, I can go to my grandma's house and she can speak on these very moments and like her first experience in Chicago having a corporate job where like her peers were still like indentured slaves basically 
leaving mints for her. Like, we know you're traveling with these white folks and they're probably not feeding you. So, like, we want to make sure you have a little bit extra to keep going. And, like, here's this film. And my dad is like, no, like, maybe you just see how they do it. And then that way you can add to the conversation the way they want you to. And so I was like, okay, yeah. And I watched and I was like, "Mm." in my journey, I can't, like, participate. participate. Yeah, that's real. No, that's definitely real. And I, like, definitely respect it because, yeah, that is real. It's super personal, and not all of us need to kind of express ourselves or expose ourselves in that way because a lot of times we're asked to expose ourselves and people don't have the capacity to hold space for us. (laughs) It just adds to it, and it's just like you weren't even prepared for this, so, like, no, I'm not. And that's the frustrating part because then it adds this, it creates this idea that our stories are too much and that we are fundamentally too much. I personally, though... I just have the fire to just like let's talk about some shit. That's me, you know what I mean. Oh, so I'm just I like can appreciate always. that about you so much because it's like you do have a way of getting your voice heard. That's yeah. like received, not yeah. threatening. Even yeah. if it's threatening, it's like it's still yeah, you're so lovable, Nia. It's <laughs> <laughs> just surprising to me, but I'll take it. You know what yeah. I mean? Like if it's gonna be received, like all right, if you're gonna listen, then let's talk. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's me. It's just like I'm gonna you know, push as much as I can, but it's not it for everybody. And so, and I don't do that in all areas of our life. And I think that like, we all deserve to be able to hold our boundaries, especially as black people, because we need to like, be able to rest, you know, we need to be able to like thrive and live. How do you honor your Mississippi heritage and ancestors? Like, whether it's explicitly or implicitly, maybe, like, you just kind of, because I don't don't know how how I would answer this question either. I think it's for both of us. (laughs) But just, like, in what ways do you think your current existence exalts your Mississippi ancestors, their experience? I I for sure think I'm, and I say this all the time, like, everything I do is out of care for my community. So my grandma with her big legs yes. <laughs> um being able to like multitask in the way that she did and cook for all of her siblings like i show love in my own community by like making sure my people are well fed and like if i get to it i'm bringing my community with me you know like me being in corporate i'm gonna talk about it to my people and be like it's not that hard like i did it from going from teaching to like and i rebranded and i'm here yeah so i think for me honoring it is very much like talking about how I did it and not gatekeeping it or making it feel like there's not enough for everybody around me to also do it. But then also the same information I got being in these spaces that like the work, we did twice as much work to get here, (laughs) you know, and there's value in that twice as much work. Yeah. And the number of it is this like expertise. Yeah. Like (laughs) never leave a job for more, like less than 20 K. Like that, that was instilled to me. Like a raise doesn't look like less than 20K Yeah, at their standards. So I'm like, okay, that's your standard. I'm going to start there. <laughs> that's yeah. my benchmark. So like being able to like give that back to my community, you're valid in this. And also tell my dad, mm-hmm. y'all stopped at six figures, but like we, we earn more. Like they over here earning half a mil off a corporate salary. So I think for me, like honoring my Mississippi roots is making sure I continue to care in that Southern hospitality way, even if it's not reciprocated, but like maybe I'm that route so that others the olive branch, the magnolia that. branch, magnolia branch, the magnolia state girl. Uh, 
Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if any of that resonates with you. No, absolutely. Girl, I mean, my whole work is in DEI. And so I think I honor it in being my most authentic and honest self. And I try to talk about things in plain terms. (laughs) Keeping it plain. (laughs) I get like what the Bible says. (laughs) (laughs) Plain and straightforward with everybody to the point. And that has been difficult. I've got a lot of advice from older black folks. When I was in different organizations and at different levels, like, you know, not someone that they would want to associate with because they weren't <laughs> sure how it would be received. But to your point, yeah. I, I fortunately people are open to me and receptive. And so I'm going to take advantage of that. You know what I mean? And I'm going to like push the conversation as far as I can. Amen. <laughs> Listen, like as far as I can, <laughs> I know I give my ancestors grief. Like they are constantly in stress. over like I'm pushing so, their guardian angels for mm-hmm. sure. Cause God is good. They be mm-hmm. looking after me in all of the ways girl, but it's Chicago in particular. I'm like, girl, <laughs> the guardian angels rolled over time. Over when I lived time. In Chicago Cause that city was rough. <laughs> my mom was always joking. Like you and your sister keep me on my knees praying over you because y'all are really trying it. But I think like, that's that Mississippi love, right? Like if if my grandma never thought like opportunity looked like this. Yes. Yes. I wouldn't think opportunity could look like this. Yes. I literally my granny, I remember before she passed, like a two years before she passed, she was like saying something to me like, Yeah, you you don't do anything I would ever do. <laughs> Whether that was a compliment or shade, <laughs> right? It was, but I took yeah. it as a compliment. I decided to translate it into a compliment because I was like, and I said this at our funeral. I was like, "No, Granny, I do everything you would have done if yeah. you could have." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? As I was telling to you earlier, like her plan was to leave my grandfather in in Mississippi, and that did not happen, and that changed the course of her life, staying in a relationship and staying in a sixty plus year marriage. <sighs> you know what I'm saying? That maybe wasn't always the best for her just being fully transparent and so when I'm living my life and I make the decisions I make whether it's career wise and romance wise at the back of my head is Nanny Elizabeth and the fact that her name I didn't even realize this my friend my good friend brought this to my attention that her name was Nanny Mm -hmm. and what that meant in terms of like servitude what that meant in terms of doing for others, that her whole identity was grounded in that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand that until Tyler told me that. We talked about that and I like cried because I was like, yeah. wow, that's so profound. But in any case, it wasn't, I don't know if she understood it was as a compliment, but I took it as that because <laughs> I'm just like, Granny, you're you like, owned it. They, I owned it, I guess. <laughs> I probably don't make any of the decisions you make. But I think in a world where you could have made the deci- these decisions, you would have. Uh-huh. Because I'm following, like, my Granny was like fighting for her sister, fighting when people called her name or made fun of her names. And I was like, I'm going to fight like my Granny. Pick and it that's up where you left it off. Literally. And so. I'm fighting for her, and she don't even know. I mean, now she knows it, but yeah. I don't think she always saw it that way. But I can appreciate it, too, that, like, my identity is so rooted in this, and I can appreciate it now where I'm at in life. That rooted in Mississippi and the experience Oh, there. my gosh. Yes, like, girl. you can't yes. tell me. I'm not from the SIP. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Inky Comet. If you are enjoying the podcast, subscribe and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at The Inky Comet to continue the conversation. Also, be sure to check out The Inky Comet soundtrack on Spotify. Until next time, be encouraged.